Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Jason Staples. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike's. It is our East Carolina, North Carolina preview show and I'm going to go straight to Greg Barnes to start it off. Greg, the week, uh, there's been a lot of uh, non-talk about what happened last time Carolina went to Greenville. Um, a lot of forgetfulness there. But the fact of the matter is the last time Carolina made the trip down 264, it was ugly. This year, what needs to happen for that not to happen to North Carolina going into the ballgame? Uh, I don't intend this to be disrespectful to East Carolina, but I think the only way that happens again is if North Carolina doesn't show up. Uh, this East Carolina team, uh, I mean, they've been putrid the last couple of years under Scotty Montgomery. A little surprised, even though this is his third year that he was retained, although I guess ECU not having a, a full-time athletic director played a role in that. Um, but they've lost to FCS opponents. Uh, twice the last two years. And granted, they were good FCS opponents in A&T and uh, I believe James Madison. But when you look at what ECU did last year, they were worse than you can imagine defensively. Like we talk about that 70-41 game back in 14, and everybody knows how bad that Vic Coning defense was. That defense was incredibly <laughs> more effective that season than what ECU's has been, especially last year. I mean, it's just yeah. ranked all you need to bottom. know about all you need to know about last year's ECU defense is last year ECU gained 466 yards against Memphis and lost by 57. Yeah, so last year to, <laughs> to sum it up for you how ECU is, they gave up 45 points a game, 7.7 yards per play. Uh, both, of course, by far the, the worst in the FBS. Uh, and you know, they lost a lot a lot of production on offense. And um, and so what you get is a loss to A&T to open the year. And uh, it's not looking better for, for Scotty Montgomery and the Pirates. And this should be a game that North Carolina uh, should be able to, to, to wash away any lingering memories of that 14 defeat down there. Jason, how does it happen? And, and I don't mean to make this the East Carolina podcast, but how does that, how does it happen? I, I still can't get over that they fired Ruffin McNeil and maybe they had a reason, maybe they had a good reason, uh, but how does a program go that is pretty daggone respectable um, with, I believe, Carden at quarterback, they had a lot of good players to this. How, did, how does that legitimately happen that quickly and that resoundingly? <laughs> I, 
I I'm really kind of at a loss at, at answering that question. I, and also, I was I was just taking a look at you know seven point seven yards per play last year. ECU's defense gave up Memphis and UCF. So UCF was the number two offense in the country last year against FBS competition. They averaged seven point four. <laughs> The number one offense in the country in 2016 was Oklahoma, averaging 7.54 yards per play. So in other words, every offense, ECU last year was able to make every offense they played the best offense in the country that week. That's now, impressive when you think about it. I mean, yeah, it and so, a lot of work to be that bad. So when you ask me, how does it get that bad? First of all, I honestly don't know. And secondly, that, that should put it in, 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 uh, in detail of exactly how bad it got last year. And it doesn't look any better this year so far that you're basically giving, you're making every team you play the best team, the best offense in the country. In order, to me, that has to be, first of all, a lack of discipline in the program. You've got to have completely lost control of whether guys are, are actually doing their assignments or not. Uh, you've got to just be doing an awful job in terms of getting buy-in and, and teaching guys what they're supposed to do. Because the only way that an FBS team is that bad is essentially when you have poor effort across the board. I mean, that, that, I mean even with injuries, you're going to have generally better results than that you could have a lot of injuries but if guys play hard i mean you could go out there and play a base defense just commit to that everybody just does your assignment and just run hard to the ball and you're going to do better than 7.7 yards per play and and that's with the offense knowing what defense you're in you could go out and play i'm just going to play cover three you're going to know before the snap i'm playing cover three i'm playing cover three every play and i'm playing one gap up front and we're just doing that and you could do that as long as every player runs the ball, plays hard, and does their assignment, you're going to do better than 7.7 yards per play. And ECU generally has decent personnel, but I will say this too, is that staff has passed on a number of players in recruiting that, that prior ECU staffs would have taken. And uh, I think they've done a poor job in terms of evaluating and, and what kids they've actually, they've actually taken uh, and recruited to get to get there, uh, and that that's also caught up with them as well. But they were already a little bit on the way down in the last year. Ruffin, I mean, he had that one losing season. That was the year after Lincoln Riley left. Uh, and and I think I mentioned on this podcast previously that I, I actually am friends with someone who was on that team under Ruffin McNeil at one point, and he he told me this was while Lincoln was still there. He said, "Well, you know, Coach Ruff, don't really think a whole lot of him, but Lincoln Riley's amazing." It's like that guy's going to be a great coach, great head coach somewhere. Well, he was right. Uh, but either way, Scotty Montgomery makes makes Ruffin McNeil look like, you know, Bear Bryant at this point in terms of what what's been done at ECU. And it's hard to hard to know what what what's going on there. I mean, it's I, I would well, I, I would love to see what's going on in their practices. I think you just have to look at the end of the A&T game to get an idea about the discipline and those types of things. Because when you listen to Scotty Montgomery talk, we, we listened to him at the pigskin preview back in July. 
He's very sharp. He's an impressive uh, guy. He is. He really is. And you're like, how this doesn't compute. I mean, how can he be that bad? But if you look at the end of the A&T game, so ECU did a pretty good job of, of forcing A&T to punt with four minutes to play. And because they had pinned A&T deep, ECU had a first down at A&T's 27. And they were down by five. They get nothing out of that possession. Then they're able to force another three and out. They get the ball back. And because they're out of timeouts, they have a third and six play at about the 30-yard line. And there's got to be 40 seconds left in the game. Well, they they lose six yards on a pass. Unbelievable. And so they line up. They, of course, they can't, you know, uh, stop the clock. They can't throw the ball on the floor because they got – it's fourth down. And so they run a guy out on the field and then they run him off the field. Then they realize they only have 10 guys on the field. So they run him back on the field. So they wasted like 25 seconds trying to get the right personnel on for a fourth down play at the 37, where if you actually conserve time, you get a quick first down, possibly you can you know, stop the clock and you've got 15 seconds to go, you know, 25 yards to try to win the game. It was, it was a disaster. It was a, I mean, the last 45 seconds of that game, you're it's watching a cl- it. Saying, it's, it's a circus. It's a clown show. Right. It's a clown show. So what you're saying is however bad um, any team's fan base thinks their coaching staff may be, <laughs> it can clearly be much worse. Unless you're, unless you're ECU right now. I mean, and again, <laughs> I, I hate ripping into coaches. But at a certain point, when things are that disorganized and you've, you, you've got a college program, I mean, you're spending time with these kids just like everybody else, something in terms of the coordination and organization is really wrong. All right, guys, do you need a quick and easy, delicious lunch? Need an easy tailgate option for your friends and family? Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill is your place to go for a quick sandwich or an easy and efficient tailgating option. Charlie, Clinton, Griffin, our guys at Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill are UNC fans and local residents who love the Tar Heels. They've partnered with Inside Carolina to offer a great deal for the IC Podcast listeners. Right now, Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill is offering IC Podcast listeners 15% off their order with the code HEELS15. This is an online promotion only. Think about it. You're coming to Chapel Hill for a football game, UCF next Saturday, or some game down the line. You're hungry. You need some quick and easy food. Get on your phone, jerseymikes.com, front slash order. Order whatever you need for tailgate. Enter the code HEELS15, 15% off that order. Place your order, stop, skip the line. It's such an easy way to do things. Always easy, always efficient. That makes it great for Saturdays and tailgating. Do it today. Place an order online at one of the four locations in Chapel Hill. jerseymikes.com, front slash order. Code word HEELS15. Three locations in Chapel Hill, on Elliott Road, off MLK, right off I-40, and at Falcon Bridge Shopping Center at 54, right off I-40 as well. And then there's one in Hillsborough, right off exit 261. There's no denying that Jersey Mike's subs are delicious, so take advantage of this deal and support the IC Podcast. Now, let's talk a little bit about the happenings of this past week. Greg, uh, we've heard all about Larry Fedora's lack of memory of that 14 game, but Tyler Powell was there right? and, and he remembered it and, and 
he sort of said, I believe, something to the effect of he's marked this one. Uh, do you think that's any added motivation, no matter how good or bad East Carolina is? Do you think he'll play um, with that chip on his shoulder thinking about that, or do you think it's just another game for a guy like Powell? And for that matter, a guy like Javante Williams, who, of course, wasn't in the 14 game. He was, I guess, in middle school. But playing East Carolina is still technically a rivalry game. Speak to that. Yeah, and I think you know, Fedora has gotten a lot of heat for uh, kind of his, his ingest comment to David Glenn on his radio show. I mean, of course, Fedora <laughs> remembers the game. I mean, that's he he's just trying to trying to be funny, and it kind of spirals out of control a little bit. But um, I think I think for Fedora, he understands um, that this is an in-state robbery game. Uh, I'm sure he's heard about the ECU games from 13 and 14 because 13 wasn't much better. Uh, heard about those games over the years, so no question the staff will be engaged. And sure, it helps that Powell played in that game, um, and it helps that he's been around. I guess he was hurt in that game, but um, he's been around the program throughout, so he understands that rivalry. Not even though there's not many guys on this roster that are from the eastern part of the state, which is kind of a strange thing. If you if you get on the roster, I mean, yeah, Javante Williams is there. I guess there's a handful of other guys, but most of the North Carolina kids, it seems, are, are from west of Raleigh, a lot down in the Charlotte area. Um, but I think they're aware of the, the in-state uh, robberies and what they mean, and they know that Larry Fedora has a losing record against the in-state teams. And this is a good opportunity, even though ECU uh, is, is struggling. This is a win that's going to make the fan base feel better. Uh, it's going to allow the team to kind of get – back on his feet a little bit, provided they execute and do what they need to do to secure the victory. And so while I don't know how much that 14 games going to play a role, uh, I mean, certainly you use any kind of motivation you can find. Um, but I think more than anything, that says, hey, look, you got to be prepared because these guys are going to take this game seriously. And if you go back to you know, Montgomery's first year back in 16, uh, you know, not, people really weren't expecting a lot out of his team. And what happens? Second week of the season, NC State goes down there, and the Pirates win. Uh, and so we talk a lot about you know North Carolina being other teams, Super Bowls, and uh, how that plays out. This is, I mean, this is that true thing. I mean, East Carolina fans know they're not going to a bowl game. That's not happening this year. But if you win this game, uh, that's something you can hold on to for the rest of the year and for years to come. So uh, North Carolina knows they have to be ready. But I don't think that that 14 games would be a big part of their uh, motivational ploy. All right, Jason, let's turn ahead a little bit to um, sort of the, the game plan for North Carolina. I think Coach Kapilovic said the offense was an embarrassment. You know, that that's probably accurate. I'm not sure as a coach I would have said that, but I totally get where he was coming from. So the approach going into East Carolina, what are you trying to accomplish overall if you're the coaching staff, especially the quarterback's coach, for a guy like Nathan Elliott, he needs to have a feel-good game one way or another. So do you specifically design a game plan to help with that, or do you just do it, you know, you run your same usual stuff? To me, you run your same usual stuff. I mean, if you can't move the ball and score on this ECU defense with your base stuff, it's going to be a long year anyway. So what you've got to do coming out of last week is you use this as a week where we're going we're gonna to continue to 
try to get better at the stuff that is our identity. That's our base. And we're going to, we're going to rep that we're going to run it and we're going to do it until we can't do it wrong because there were, there were too many little mistakes here and there during that game. And you just emphasize that when the play is there, you've got to make it. When you have a one-on-one, you've got to win it, whether on the offensive line, whether wide receiver position or whatever, that's, yeah, that's what it is. So at that point, you, you don't need to, you know, put in trick plays. You don't do anything real special. You always have, you know, your contingencies in there. Okay, if they are able to take this away, then here's our counter. You, you do that like usual. But you treat this game like you would any other game with maybe the exception that you're going you're gonna to spend that much more time in practice on really repping your base stuff and making sure that, that players know what they're doing on that so that it filters through the rest of the season repair the stuff that you know went wrong against against Cal in the opener let me ask you about uh Nathan Elliott Cade Fortin I mean Fedora said he wants to get Fortin reps is this the game that that happens do you think and if you were if you were the guy I mean where do you get him in do you get him in meaningful snaps in the first half do you get him in uh in garbage time if there is garbage time in the second half How, how would you play that I would play it by ear. So I would have a couple different ways of, of playing it. But yeah, obviously this is the game that you want to get him in there because you know, you're not you're not expecting necessarily to be uh to be up by 15, 20 points against UCF. So looking ahead, your best bet to get this kid some good reps that that can help him is in this game. You know, coaches coaches know what they're playing against. And you know, Fedora was was I'm sure being pretty calculated and saying, yeah, yeah, we plan to get him reps this week. Well, yeah, he would he have said that had they been playing, you know, Duke or NC State? Probably not, right? Because he's going to say, well, we got it, you know, we got to make sure that our starter is ready and 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 all of that. But this is a game where he's expecting to play the uh, some of the backups and and trying to get some of the young guys more time and get them ready. So if it were me what I would be doing is thinking about it this way. If I'm able to go out there and say score 10, 14 points early, and I'm able to get say a two score lead in the first quarter or relatively early in the game, I'm thinking about giving Fort uh, Fortin a, a, a series then why? Well, because it is meaningful because it is something that you can do, but it's not in a position where it can kill you either. So you give him some opportunity to, to really get his feet wet. But if you're starting to struggle a little bit on offense and you still got to clean some stuff up and let's say you're middle of the second quarter and it's still, you know, you, you just score to go up 10, nothing, or, you know, they've scored a couple times and, you know, you're struggling a little bit and it's uh, say 21, 17, then you, you wait a little bit until the game gets a little bit more out of hand and you, and you take care of it. But, you know, it a little bit depends on momentum. Bottom line, though, is that you're hoping to give, you know, give the kid a whole fourth quarter if you can. I mean, that that would be that would be your ideal is to give the, give him a, a full quarter so that he can not only get his feet wet, get a few reps in there, but actually establish some level of rhythm in real game scenarios and give him an opportunity to start feeling what it's like to get comfortable on that field. That's the that's what I would be trying to do. Jason, I want to go back to the Caps comments real quick. Just. And listen to Larry Fedora and Chris Kapilovic this week. Uh, both of them were at times critical of pl- the players. And they've all said, you know, accepted blame. But I think a lot of fans hear that criticism of the players, you know, frustrates them. 
one thing Fedora said on Wednesday was that what he wanted from the offense this week was to be uh, brilliant in the basics. And so what I wanted to ask you is we knew when Larry Fedora uh, arrived at North Carolina that it wasn't going to be this huge, massive playbook where all these kids are going to have to learn all these different plays, like a, you know, a West Coast NFL-style approach. The idea is that you have a certain amount of concepts. I mean, Walt Bell told me 2012, they really only had six to ten concepts they were trying to use throughout most of the year. So we're not talking about a huge amount of plays. And obviously that's that's built up over the years. But you go and you watch practice, they run a lot of the same plays over and over and over and over again, with the idea being that if you can perfect the execution of a smaller number of plays, that's going to allow you to be very good at what you do, and that's how you can beat the opponent instead of out-scheming necessarily. Remember the Titans, exactly. So my question to you, it seems like fans hear that criticism and maybe don't fully grasp what the coaching staff is saying. But to me, I hear that. And it's like, look, we've repped this time and time again, and they just failed in these certain moments where they know what they're supposed to do. It's not a question of these guys knowing whether or not you know, they should you know, take this route or this track as a running back or this read, whatever. They know those things. They've done it time and time again. Just in that moment, they failed. And that's why the criticism was was coming their way. Is is that accurate? I think that's that's accurate in part. One thing is that you got to remember that that coaches use comments in the media to motivate their teams too. So you know that that that's also a factor. So you know it's not just communicating with the fans. What the fans always want, though, there there seems to be this desire among fans to say that it's a coach's job to to insulate the players from criticism to kind of take the come after me I'm a man I'm 40 perspective all the time and that you know you shouldn't be you shouldn't you shouldn't criticize kids in the media but the reality is that these are 18 to 22 year old young men first of all and they have responsibilities to actually do their jobs too so coaches recognize that and coaches also use that opportunity to spend you know to to get those get those players attention to say listen you got to do your job but the other side of this too is that a lot of times coaches will say you know they'll be asked about something schematic because a lot of times fans and often media will be under the impression that basically if you run the right scheme if you run if you have the right x's and o's then it's going to work because you know that's how football works right but the problem is you can call the perfect play every play works if it's executed, you can call the perfect play and the other team can actually be in the wrong play. And then a lineman falls down or someone turns the wrong way. And all of a sudden the play goes completely the opposite way. So execution is what matters most, even more than, than scheme really. And then, so, so that's, that's number one is that it's usually, usually not scheme because most schemes are sound anyway. Almost all schemes that are run at this level are sound. Uh, but the, the other thing is that when, when coaches say, and this is what you usually hear like Fedora say is, well, you know, the scheme was sound, you know, the, that, that call was fine. We just didn't execute it. And then uh, they're not calling out an individual player in that case, right? They're not saying, oh, well, you know, man, we just, we're just lousy in terms of, you know, our linebackers, you know, our starting Sam linebackers, just, he's just not very good. And that's the problem. You don't hear coaches doing that. You don't hear Fedora doing that. What you, but what they're doing is, is, is they're saying it's an execution issue. 
Now, fans hear that a lot of times and they say, well, he's just dodging it and he's blaming the players. But who's responsible for execution? Not just the players. When coaches say that, they're also saying, they're saying one to the players, yeah, you guys got to do better. But coaches also understand that the execution's on me. I got to teach it better. I got to make sure we rep it correctly. I got to go back and evaluate why it is that I thought we had repped it enough times, but we didn't, and then we, you know, that we couldn't do it wrong. And we went out there and did it wrong. So I got to go back and, and figure out, okay, how can we do this to make sure that you don't make that mistake in the future? So coaches are responsible for execution and scheme. And when a coach says, well, you know, we just didn't execute it, that doesn't always mean, well, it's the player's fault. It often means, well, you know, we, we got to go back and figure out why that player couldn't do it. So, you know, I think the criticism that, that, that I see there, I get a little bit tired of it because, again, it, it really is football is a game of execution more than anything else. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to do your job. And if you've got guys that aren't doing their job, as ECU can, can demonstrate, when it's systemic and guys just regularly don't do their job, well, that's not just the player's fault. You get what you tolerate as a coach. And if you tolerate that, if you tolerate certain things, it trickles down and it leads to bad execution. And most coaches know that. So it's a, it's a combination of things. And, and I think, again, Fedor is usually right when he says that. When he says, well, you know, the call was right, scheme was right, we had the right call for the defense, we just didn't, we just didn't execute it. Well, that happens. Usually, usually when a coach says it, he's right. I think I like that quote. You get what you tolerate. I think the game of oh, thrones. Yeah, that's, I think that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite coaching quotes. You know that that one, and uh, it's not what you know; it's what they know. It's what the players know. Those are probably my two favorite coaching quotes. Certainly relevant uh, to some of the issues we discussed on these podcasts in the last few weeks. I like the Game of Thrones quote. What is it? We earn what we take. Something to that effect. Let's turn this. Well, I, I like the one. Uh, I drink and I know things. That's the Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's wouldn't uh, work for me since I don't drink. But you know that I don't. That'll work. Well, we need to do this and see how that goes. We need to do that before these shows and see how it goes. All right, boys, this is a good one. You want a simple, easy, better way to travel to UNC football and basketball games? Now's your chance. Hills Travels partnered with Inside Carolina to provide simple and easy travel for select UNC away games. Chuck Joyce, the president of Away to Go Travel, is a Greensboro native and a diehard Carolina fan, and he wanted to find an easier, better way, and more efficient way for Carolina fans to get to away games. So right now, HillsTravel.com is selling packages to get you to the Virginia game in Charlottesville on October 27th. This is a one-day bus trip from Chapel Hill. They pick you up, they take you to the stadium, and they bring you home. All you have to do is show up, cheer for the Tar Heels, and ride the bus. The leaves should be changing. Should be a great chance to check out a great town and be there for Carolina and Virginia, the oldest rivalry in the South. Make the process easy. Ride with other diehard UNC fans, and don't worry about parking or having to drive. It is a win-win situation. Visit hillstravel.com now or call 336-855-0060. There's no better way to spend a holiday than watching the Tar Heels play basketball. In the desert, no less. In Las Vegas, even better. Hills Travels offering a package that includes round-trip airfare from RDU, round-trip ground transportation from the airport to the hotel, and three nights at the Aria Resort and Casino in Vegas. 
No better time spent in Vegas to see the Tar Heels. Visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060. Support Chuck Joyce and Away to Go Travel and help them support the IC podcast. Let's turn this conversation to defense, Jason. And you've got uh, Carney's definitely out serving his uh, shoe salesman suspension and Aaron Crawford out. So who steps up on the defensive line? They played well against Cal. Uh, expect them to play well again in Greenville, but it's going to have to be some different guys. Who are they going to be, you think? Well, I mean, I, I think you start with Strobridge and you and, and Dalton as the guys in the interior that you really have to to lean on. Uh, both guys caused some havoc against, uh, against Cal, too. Uh, Dalton, actually, in particular, really flashed at different points. And if they can get that kind of play on the interior, then those those suspensions won't be missed nearly as much as uh, maybe people thought they would be early, uh, when when they when they were first announced. Jason, when you look at what ECU wants to do offensively, it's pretty pretty uh, clear cut. I mean, they're going to throw the ball all over the place. They they had sixty six pass attempts against A and T, which is just mind boggling to me. Uh, but when you've when you've got some guys out on the defensive line even though you do have quality replacements there, like you mentioned. Uh, and then you, you have possibility that the Miles Dorn doesn't play uh, free safety. What does North Carolina need to do to be most successful in, in limiting you know, ECU's damage through the air? Make sure that they, that they cover well, that they execute on the outside. <laughs> okay. it's, it's real simple uh, when it comes to that. You know, you you know what your cover you know what coverages you're going to be running, and they're running a lot more single high man free type stuff. They're matching a little bit more, and what that means is, you know, don't fall down. Make sure that your hand placement is good. Make sure you're moving your feet. Get some pressure on the quarterback. It, it's not, nothing exotic in this game, really. I mean, the, the, ECU doesn't do anything that's that's really unusual, and they're not going to. And, and again, I don't think they're talented enough that they that they place a tremendous amount of strain on you. You're, they're going to get some yards in the passing game. But you should be able to go out with your corners and cover them. And from what we saw from from at least one linebacker, you should be able to cover at that spot. And at that point, just go out and ask those guys. You know, if you're the coordinator, when you have guys that can cover like that, and you've got some guys that can get some pressure up front, don't get in their way. Just don't don't overcomplicate it. Just get out of their way and let them win their one on ones. To me, that's what you do in this game. Tommy, did you catch that Jason said, "Don't fall down." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I also, and I'm going to ask you this, and it's a, you know, it's a I couldn't help it. It's a ridiculous <laughs> question. I'll just let it ride. Uh, you, you've said several times, it's not that difficult. It's not that complicated. If it's not that complicated and not that difficult, well, I'd beg to differ on the difficult part, but why are playbooks so damn thick? <laughs> well, so this gets back to, you know, when, when you were saying Walt Bell was, was saying, you know, you got what, six, eight concepts that you're really, you're really running as your core. The problem is that, okay, you've got, let's say you've got eight concepts. Now they've got how many ways that they can come in and match. Let's say you're talking about an offense, right? Offensive playbook. You got eight concepts and that's it. It's all you got to run. That's real simple. Right, but that's eight concepts. Now you've got to be able to know what you're doing in those eight concepts against a 3-4 look, against a 5-2 Oki look, against a 4-3 look. Uh, uh, you know, and e- so even odd front stuff, 
What happens if they if this guy blitzes versus if this guy blitzes? What happens if this guy's inside shade versus outside shade? What happens if they line up in a four eye technique on the inside uh, or on the outside eye of the guard? How does that affect how we block this? And then as a wide receiver, let's say they show a two deep shell and all of a sudden those safeties rotate one way. Does that change your, does that change your steps or does that change where exactly you have to end up to make sure that the ball is, is put in the proper place? There's all these little things that you need to know that are permutations off of that one thing. So there's one play, one concept, and it's really better to talk about concepts than plays for that reason. There's one concept that you're running. And, and the other thing is you might run the same concept out of 15 different formations inside zone out of three by one in, you know, four wide receiver personnel is the same thing as inside zone out of three tights, but it's a different page in the playbook because it's different personnel and you're showing how well they're going to then match up a little bit different up front with how they're going to do this. So then you got to add a little bit of how the, how you're going to block the edge a little differently. And then if they decide to, you know, blitz this guy or they decide to twist here, here's how we pick that up. So there's all those additional instructions and that's where it does get complicated and that can make it difficult. Now, if you've got a team that tends to be pretty straightforward with what they do, that part's not all that hard. Now, a lot of times those are the hardest teams to play because they're just letting their guys do their thing. And if they're, if it's a team that's just letting their guys do their thing, odds are they think their guys are better than your guys. And so then the difficulty is actually being able to stop the guy who's really athletically good and is really confident and has repped what he's doing a bunch. So then, you know, you have different ways of responding to that. But the reason that these playbooks get really long is, and, and, and uh, like was said earlier, uh, Greg, you said the, that, you know, stuff gets added and tweaked and so on over time. That's exactly how things get more complicated. And then eventually you need to trim them back every few off seasons. Cause you realize like, huh, this is a lot more complicated than what we wanted. We need to, you know, pare down again because what happens is you play this team and they, they do this. And so, well, we better add this wrinkle to make sure that we can handle that. So then that goes in and then we play this team and they do something a little bit different. And so now we're going to, we better add this this week to, and so you end up expanding and expanding and eventually some of that stuff works its way into the, into the core. And then you have to go back and reevaluate, like, is this too much? And it's really, it's painful sometimes as a coach to cut out concepts that you love, but you know, that concept overlaps with that concept. Do we need both of them? So that's why it gets, that's why it gets really, uh, gets really long. And, you know, we could talk about why play calls themselves get long another day, but um, you know, why there's 17 syllables at times in certain, in certain offenses. But, uh, but that's another story. Uh, I'd be the C ball, get ball, C ball, hit ball player. Just line <laughs> me up and tell me to go get the ball. There aren't very many of those that can play in today's game above the high school level. It's the game has, has really gotten to the place where so there's so much going on, even with simple teams there's so many little micro adjustments you need to know in terms of, okay, if they motion this guy here, now your assignment changes you instead of being the curl player, they don't have a number two on your side. You better undercut the number one out there and you're, you're going flat and undercutting You're buzzing the number one. If he's got a vertical release, why? Well, because they motioned out of your area. So you need to know to adjust your, 
your assignment. Uh, oh, no, oh, you as the Mike linebacker, you know that the guy outside you is now adjusting that, so you have to pick up all crossers, which you wouldn't be responsible for otherwise. So now you bump all those assignments down, and if one guy misses that assignment, well, got a problem. <laughs> it's complicated, man. That is complicated. But you rep it so many times, it shouldn't be hard. Fascinating. Uh, we're gonna have that discussion one day about all the intricacies of it because it's fascinating to me. Because, like I said, see ball, get ball. It's that simple uh, to me, or at least it was a long, long, long time ago. Let me pay a couple more bills, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Let's turn to some predictions, and I'm going to add a caveat. We need a prediction, and we need an MVP on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to start with Jason this time. We'll see if Greg piggybacks off of you. Jason, oh, wait a his... minute. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> who, who was right last week? Yep. He was. Greg got it. Greg he, got it. Are you okay? You were right. So, okay. Never mind, Jason. We're going to let Dang. the only person to get it right. Well, the only reason you were right is because you didn't get a chance to change the score just by a few numbers on Jason's score. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe but you know, the, but the reality is he was right. I was right. the one that was wrong on that. I, I didn't, I didn't, too. I didn't guess that they'd have five turnovers. I had a uh, 93 Southern Cal vibe. I didn't realize that I had the teams flipped. Greg, <laughs> Greg, your choice, uh, prediction and score, get it right again. Uh, you win a Dairy Queen, smoothie and also give me an MVP on offense and defense. Oh, uh, I think this is going to be a blowout. Um, I think this is 42, 14 North Carolina. And uh, let's see in terms of offensive MVP. I'll go with, um, I'll go with Antonio Williams. I think the running game will, will have a little bit more success this week. I think cap and, and Fedora would like to, to get that aspect of the game. Uh, turning a little bit better, especially with UCF coming in the next week. So I'll go with him there. And then defensively, um, let's see. Uh, you know, The linebackers all played very well last week. Uh, I think I gave him a lot of credit for that. So I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with Jonathan Smith. Uh, I think he played well. Dom Ross got a lot of the attention, uh, deservedly so. But I think with uh, you know, potential for, for Miles Doran being out, uh, I think Jonathan Smith's going to step up and have another good game there at middle linebacker. Jason, it better not be 45-17. No, no. I'm going to go with 38 to uh I'm going to go 38 to 13 in this game. Little lower scoring and give me Jordan Brown as my offensive MVP. Uh and then uh give me give me Dominique. Yeah, give me 3. Give me give me Dominique as the uh as the defensive MVP in this one. Nice. I'm kind of torn here cuz I think Carolina's defense is pretty good any other defense than this year i'd probably have it like a 45 35 score uh, i'm gonna go that was exactly my logic 
Yeah, I think they're. I think they can stifle them. I still think East Carolina might score, maybe twenty points. I'm gonna go forty-two twenty, Carolina. I'm gonna go with. I'll start on the defensive side. I'm gonna go with Trey Morrison with a couple picks in this game, and then on offense, I think Ratliff Williams turns around and has a big game. He he does not like playing Cal. And East Carolina is no cow, so I think he has a big ball game. But I, I think we also agree, all three of us, that should this one go sideways, earthquakes would happen within the Carolina football program. But I think they're safe this week. Guys, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. It's always fun to do these shows. Yep, always fun. Uh, we are uh, starting to take donations for Greg's Dairy Queen winnings, if he gets this one right. Uh, guys, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.